asking God, please provide. But for some reason, he just hasn't done it yet. We get confused and we wonder, Lord, why? Why haven't you answered my prayer? After all, the Bible says in Philippians 4.19, God will supply all my need. So what's the deal? What's the problem, Lord? To gain a better understanding of this problem, we must first ask a question. And the question is this. As believers, do we really expect God to provide our needs? Not are we entitled to have God provide our needs, but do we expect Him as His children to provide for us? You know, sometimes God supplies our needs in very unexpected ways. Today, I want to begin by showing you how God filled some needs of the Apostle Paul. The first need I want to show you is how God filled Paul's material needs. In Philippians chapter 4, that's on page 1045 in the Bibles in front of you, if you want to follow along with me. In verse 10 of Philippians chapter 4, Paul began by writing to these believers. He's writing to a church just like us, a group of Christians. And he says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned to be in whatever state I am in to be content. I know how to be abased. That is, I know how to live humbly. I know how to live in abundance. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's interesting here that whether Paul had nothing or whether Paul had everything, whether he had plenty or whether he was in want, whether he was hungry or had a full belly like I'm going to shortly. Amen. Whether he was in abundance or in need, Paul looked to Jesus for his strength and for Christ to fill his material needs. Friend, are you looking to God? to provide your material needs. Not only did God fill Paul's material needs, but he also filled Paul's physical needs. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we read about a problem, a problem that Paul had. And in chapter 12, beginning in verse 7, Paul writes to another church, just like you and I. And he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations given to me, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, 
a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to beat me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then... I am strong. Paul had a problem. And he asked God for help with his problem. Paul asked for this thorn in his flesh to be removed. But instead, God promised him the grace he would need to endure that problem. Maybe you have physical needs today. Maybe you're struggling with a physical infirmity. Can I tell you that the same God that helped Paul with his physical need is the same God that will help you with your physical need? After all, friend, which one has the greater value? The removal of the thorn or the grace of God to help you endure it? Which one of those was the best for Paul in the long run? Just wiping out the problem? Or letting him endure it and being present while he did so? Which one of those helps Paul face the challenges in his life? Just eliminating the problem? Or providing him the grace to endure? So God filled Paul's needs in the material realm and in the physical realm, but also we learn that in the emotional realm, God filled Paul's needs. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 8, we learn that uh, Paul's emotional needs were met. He said, For I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble. Here he is, he's in trouble again. Which came to us in Asia that we were burdened. Burden beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we have the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not even trust in ourselves, but trust in God who raises the dead. See, no matter how deeply Paul was troubled, no matter, friend, how heavy Paul's burden was, no matter how deep his despair was, Paul trusted God. He trusted that God would fill that emotional need, that God would deliver him. Friend, is your burden heavy this morning? Is there something weighing on your heart so heavy this morning that you can't bear it? You know what God says? Good. Because when you can't do it, you and I together can. Amen. 
He fills emotional needs. But he also fills relational needs. Check this out. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 19. Chapter 4 and verse 19. Excuse me, in verse 9. Paul is writing to his friend Timothy. They're close. They're really close friends. And he says, Timothy, be diligent to come to me quickly. He's writing from prison. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me. Having loved this present world, he has departed for Thessalonica. Crescens, another friend of his, departed for Galatia. Titus, another friend, had forsaken him for Dalmatia. He said, only Luke is with me, so get Mark and bring him with you, for he's useful to me in ministry. Antichicus, I have sent to Ephesus. Bring me the cloak that I left in Carpus when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You must also beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord, the Lord stood with me. And he strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me for all the Gentiles. See, toward the end of Paul's life, a lot of people had let Paul down. You ever been let down by somebody? You ever been let down even by another Christian? At the end of his life, several people had failed him. Somebody failed you? At the end of his life, several so-called friends had actually abandoned Paul. But we read the Lord. The Lord never left him. The Lord never left him. The Lord stood beside him and strengthened him. And Paul didn't look at the present situation. Instead, he looked at the future blessing that he knew was coming his way. So as you see, sometimes God fills our needs in very unexpected ways. But since we have a God who is interested in every aspect of your life, since we have a God who has the ability to fill your needs, He has the desire to keep His Word, that means that this problem of our unmet needs must rest with us. It must rest with us. Let me share with you two mistakes that are commonly made about God's provision. Number one, I think you would agree that sometimes we have a problem distinguishing between needs and wants. Amen? We have a problem separating our needs from our desires. you got to admit some of the things that you want are not some of the things you need. In fact, some of the things you want may not even be good 
for you to have. But what stresses us out, even as Christians, what gets us stressed out is when we expect God to supply things that He says you really don't need. You may think you need it, but God knows better. So what do we do? What do we do when we think we need it, but God says you don't need it? When you can't tell the difference between a need and a want, the only thing as Christians we must do is surrender our desire to His. He knows best. Ask Him. Lord, show me if this is important or not. Show me, Lord. Because if my desire is not your will, I don't want it. I don't want it if it's not your will. My goal, friend, my goal is to take such delight in my relationship with the Lord, to take such delight in His plans for my life, that my only desire is to please Him, to do what's right in His sight. So it's very important, friend, that we distinguish between wants and needs. But there is another mistake that people make in this area of God's provision. And you Bethel folks have heard me talk about this before because there are many people who are guilty of what I call Scripture plucking. Scripture plucking. They say, God has promised me in Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all my need. They have plucked that verse out of Scripture without reading the before, without reading the after, without reading the rest of the book. They've plucked that verse out without reading the rest of the story. Let me share with you a little bit about the rest of the story. In Philippians 4 and 14, Paul wrote to those believers saying, Nevertheless, you have done well in that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but only you. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and then again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds on your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Aphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches by Christ Jesus. The promise, my God will supply all your needs, was given to those people who believed in Christ. That promise was given to believers. And it was given to believers who were actively supporting the ministry. So what he's saying there is, hey man, you've been supporting the ministry of the Lord. He's got your back. 
You've been supporting and serving and ministering in Jesus' name. When your time of need comes, he's got your back. He'll supply all your need according to his glory. Friend, we can't over, afford to overlook this. Because the bottom line is, God's promises and God's resources come to us as a result of a faithful and obedient relationship with him. We cannot expect God to provide all of our needs while we walk around like heathens. So what are the requirements? What should I do so that I can expect God to provide all my needs? What are the conditions? The conditions for God's provision. I've made these kind of simple, I pray. But the first thing that we have to do is we have to obey. The first thing we have to do is we have to obey. We have to be willing to come to God and obey His Word. If you want God to fill your needs, you can't be living in sin. You can't be living in disobedience. You can't be living in defiance. You can't be living in rebellion. And then expect him to give you everything you need. Psalm 84 verse 11. The Bible says, No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. That's important. Now what that does not say is that those who walk uprightly are perfect. It doesn't say that they're sinless. But they do desire to please God. They do strive. To, pre, to please the Lord. And the Bible teaches us that God will assume full responsibility for meeting the needs of the believer who obeys His Word. If you obey His Word, you ain't got a thing to worry about. He will supply all your need. But sin, sin, Sin blocks God's blessing. Sin blocks God's blessing. God is not going to support the sinful lifestyle of his children. Why not? I like doing it. I want to do it. I'm a child of God. Why can't I do it? Number one, God says it's not in your best interest. He's got better for you than the way you've been living in sin. You've got, he's got better for you than you living in rebellion and defiance. It's not good for you. And number two, it won't bring him glory. Living in a sinful lifestyle can never, ever bring God the glory he deserves. So what does God do? Sometimes he says, okay, for your own good, I'm going to let my child do without. I'm going to let my child do without in order that they might come back to me. That that might bring them back to this close relationship I so desire to have with my child. God provides for those who obey. But we must also ask See, we must be willing to ask God 
to supply the things that we lack. Ask him. Let me ask you this. Is your first response to trouble to bring it to the Lord immediately? Or do you resort to worrying and wondering, I wonder how I can do this on my own? God wants you to bring it to Him. The Bible repeatedly tells us, come to God, bring your request to God. In fact, in verse 6 of chapter 4, He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will be guarding your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He wants you to ask. He wants you to ask. Humbly asking God. You know what it shows? It shows that you're dependent on God. It shows that you trust God. And like all parents, God loves to provide for his kids. He loves to give to his kids who depend upon him, who trust him, and who humbly ask him. So the conditions of God's provision, you've got to obey what he wants. It's for your own good, and you've got to ask when you have a need. But number three, God will also supply our needs when we believe. Jesus often spoke about asking with faith. Once Jesus told his disciples, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Now there are some people who will scripture pluck that joker right out of the Bible. And they'll use that for their benefit without reading the rest. But the point is, is that whatever you're asking God for, he wants you to believe that he'll do it. Christ wants you to be so confident in the promises of God that you will already see the answer before it even comes. That's what Jesus wants for you. However, here comes the rest of the story. This kind of request, this kind of prayer always comes from pure motives. You can't get whatever you want just by mustering up enough faith. James 4.3 says, You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. You ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. And not only do we have to ask with pure motives, but we're also taught to ask according to the Father's will. John spoke about this in 1 John in chapter 5. He said, this is the confidence that we have in Jesus. That if we ask anything according to his will, according to his will, say that with me. According to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Friend, when faith stands on the truth of God's will and it begins to work itself out in obedience to God's word, then you and I can be fully assured that God will grant our requests. But there's more. Yeah, you've got to obey. Yeah, you've got to ask. Yeah, you've got to believe. But you also got to participate. It's not a one-sided deal. 
Charles Stanley says it this way. He says, God is not going to do anything for you that he's already equipped you to do. How about that? He's not going to give you anything that he's equipped you to take care of. He's already done his part. Friend, what if I decided that I was just going to trust God for a sermon next Sunday? Just give it to me, Lord, and I put no effort in it, no prayer, no study. Just say, Lord, I'm trusting you. Would he do that? Uh, no. Amen. Not that I've ever tried it. Why? Because he's equipped me to do it, and he expects me to do it. He doesn't just drop a sermon in my lap. See, God will not bless laziness. God will not bless laziness. I read that God will provide the food, but he ain't cooking the dinner. That's good right there. You know, it reminded me when I first came to Bethel. The big thing about Bethelonians is, man, during farming season, man, you get all the green beans you want. You can get all the okra you want. It's amazing. But you don't get the green beans already snapped. And you don't get the okra already cut up. Right? Because God don't bless laziness. Amen? God blesses us when we obediently do what he has equipped us to do. Obey him. Ask him. Participate with him. Believe him. But sometimes we have to wait for him. Well, that's the hard part. Y'all know how much I love waiting, right? <laughs> See, God only, not only knows what I need, he knows when he's going to provide it. He knows exactly when he's going to give it. Some things... God has already given to you. Y'all hearing me? Say amen. amen. He's already given it to you. It just ain't made it to you yet. He's already answered your prayer. It just hasn't made it to you yet. There's some other things that are going on. It's not just about me. I hate it when that happens, don't you? I love it when it's all about me. Amen. But God says it's not all about you, Bill. See, God has an ordained time for everything. He's never late. He's never early. He always knows the best time to grant our request. And if you become impatient and you try to jump in front of him, I want to tell you, if you try to do it your own way, you're going to miss out on at least some of the blessing. Isaiah 64, 4, the Bible says... That the world has never, that the, since the world began, no ear has ever heard, no eye has ever seen a God like ours who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. We've got to wait. We have to wait. It may seem like he's forgotten you. Friend, it may seem like the answer's never going to come. But you got to keep on trusting him. you got to keep on waiting for him. Because, because of the authority of Scripture, I can tell you that God will move heaven and earth to take care of you. You're his child. You're his child. 
So we've got to obey him, ask him, believe him, participate with him, and sometimes wait on him. But another condition is we have to accept his timing. See, God's way may not be your way. How many of you know that? Have you ever unintentionally told God exactly how he should intervene in your problem? God, you need to step in right now and do this this way. Y'all ever said that or is it just me? Am I the only unrighteous person in here? Amen. We got to be open to whatever way God wants to provide our needs. And can I tell you that it will most likely be in an unexpected way? His way may make no sense. His way may be totally counter to what you expected. But by trusting his all-knowing wisdom, one day you're going to look back and you're going to say, my God sure is amazing. His strategy, it was right on target. Isaiah 55 says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We've got to obey, ask, believe, participate, wait, and even be willing to accept God's timing. But the last one is this. The last condition for God's provision is to prioritize. As a believer, you've got to be willing to keep your eyes on the prize. Amen? And if you're keeping your eyes on the prize, that means you're not keeping your eyes on your circumstances. You're not keeping your eyes on your needs. You're not keeping your eyes on what you want. You're keeping your eyes on a prize. Jesus instructs us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. You won't have a, a single thing to worry about. But we've got to be open. We've got to have a priority in life, spiritual in nature, not material, not physical. Our priority should be spiritual in nature. If our main concern is always on what I need, what I want, then guess what you're not seeking? You're not seeking the kingdom of God. But if we're focused on seeking his kingdom glory, then we can be assured, we can be confident. He's at work in the unseen realm, and he won't allow you to go without. He's trustworthy. See, God is committed to meeting all your needs. That's good news, amen? He's committed to meeting all your needs. But here's the important part today. He always does so in a way that meets his ultimate goal. God meets your needs according to his ultimate goal. And what is his ultimate goal? To transform you into the image of his precious son, Jesus. Everything that he does for you, he does so with the intent of transforming you somehow, some way, into the image of Jesus. 
And the way that he begins that is he asks you to believe. To believe that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to meet your need. To meet your need that you be saved from the consequences of your sin. He asks you to believe that Jesus was resurrected from the grave to meet your need that your death be defeated and that heaven can be your home. Friends, simple questions during decision time today. And here they come. Your greatest need can be met today. Are you assured that you have accepted the gift of God in His Son, Jesus Christ? And friend, He asks, will you receive what I've provided to meet your greatest need? I sent him 2,000 years ago. And you can believe in him today. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you so much for meeting all of our needs. And Lord, we thank you for doing it in a way that fulfills your ultimate goal. To make us more like Jesus. I pray that when everybody leaves this building, they can say in their heart of hearts, I have received the greatest gift of God, His Son, Jesus Christ. And I am convinced on the authority of Scripture that He will provide all my need today and tomorrow and for all eternity. He will meet my need here and there. And that it will be with Him while eternity rolls. Father, you speak to the ones who need to make a decision today and we'll be swift to give you the glory for it. Father, if they would step out, step forward, and allow me to show them what the Word of God says about how they can be saved from sin and granted a home in heaven, that would honor you. That would be obedient to you. Father, we're not naive in thinking that even as Christians, we always walk right. Sometimes there's some things we need to get right with you. And Father, this decision time is for that. This altar is open for that. It would be my joy to pray with anyone that, that just has a concern, has a burden, has something that they want to bring to you. So Lord, whatever your will is for each person in this building, Lord, I pray that they would be diligent to be obedient and follow your lead in faith. Lord, we love you and we thank you today. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing. Just as I.